Welcome to Crosstown Cardboard, a sports card podcast with two collectors from opposite sides of New York City. Craig and Carmine share sports card stories from the perspective of a teacher and broadcaster. This is Crosstown Cardboard. But welcome to Crosstown Cardboard, episode 16, with me at Carmine's Cards, the broadcaster, the news anchor, the sports anchor, and Craig, Crosstown for me, the teacher of math and the coach of soccer at New York City Sports Cards. And Craig, I believe you muted your mic, but I'll have you uh, hop on to explain this incredible story about this Muhammad Ali card that you got. But our episode 16 title is called Pulling the Trigger on Cash Deals and the Mentality of Getting There. And, and you know, because a lot of times if you're spending even two figures, but if you're getting into the three figures and four figures, which I think that's the most either one of us has gotten up to is four figures. That gets your heart pounding. You start sweating and you really have to evaluate, is this worth my hard earned money to spend straight cash on? Because a lot of times we do partial trade. But before we get into that, I want to ask you how you're doing. I believe your mic is muted, but I would love to hear your voice. I thought you would never ask. I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Uh, we had talked about you selling your Dak Prescott card to end at the end of the Cowboys game, which didn't mm-hmm. quite work out. Um, Dak Prescott, more like whack Prescott. Am I right? Ouch. Um, Ouch. But hey, Carmine, that's on you for buying cards of mediocre football players. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you encouraged me, which I thought was a fair encouragement to say, hey, do what you try to do. Tr- me try to do what you did with the Mbappe at the end of the World Cup. Of course, he had a much better game scoring three goals in the World Cup final than Dak did. Really, really bad performance from him. But at the same time, we talked about it on the phone afterwards you know, right after the game. And really, even though it ended right after the game and they lost and he didn't play well, it was still a good time to list that card because he's only going to drift further into the realm of nobody caring about him the longer time goes on. So it sold for 610 on eBay. The buyer hasn't paid yet. I was into it for 550. And so I'm going to lose, I don't know, 25 bucks, but I really don't care. I mean, like you, like you encouraged me on the phone last night, the excitement was really the main thing. I was into the game and I had a lot of fun watching the bids go up. And so I'm, I'm still happy with it, even though I'm losing a little bit of money. Listen, anyone who bought Dak Prescott cards, if you can come out of this saying you're only down five to 10%, I think you'll take that. Definitely. But back to business. So I think with this episode, you and I recently had buys where we paid straight cash for cards, which almost kind of seems to not be the norm anymore, where there's so much trading or at the very least partial trading. Mm -hmm. So we want to get into here we are. We purchased a card straight cash. What was our mindset? And yeah, we understand people do this, especially regulars at shows who are going around, you know, I'll give you 70 percent comps of this so I can flip it for that. I think with you and I, we're talking, we're a little more intentional with the type of cards we're buying. So right. mine in particular is a 1960 Hemet's Journal, Cassius Clay, a.k.a. Muhammad Ali, rookie card in a PSA 1.5. This was not a card that was on my radar at all. But a couple months ago, my wife and I were in the airport on our way down to Miami, and my wife was kind enough to 
go to the bookstore and surprise me with a book. Now, getting me to read is like getting a kid to eat vegetables, but that's a conversation <laughs> for another day. So if I'm going to read something, for me, it's got to be nonfiction. It's got to be something that really I could I want to learn about something or someone. So my wife came back with a book with some former basketball player and coach who I had never heard from or I never heard of. And the story seemed interesting, but I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to devote all this time to a book. Let me learn about another athlete. She said there was a sports section there. So I go back to the bookstore. I exchanged the book that my wife got for me in exchange for the Muhammad Ali autobiography. I saw it there. I said, you know what? I know Muhammad Ali is a legendary athlete, icon, not only for his you know, power and record in the ring as a boxer, but you know, his um, influence in the civil rights movement as well. So I said, you know what? This is someone I don't know much about. I probably should learn more about Muhammad Ali. So as I'm reading the book, I'm becoming more and more interested. And then fast forward to just about a week ago, I'm on the PWCC auction with about an hour to go. This car wasn't on my radar. I'm like, you know what? Let me see what Muhammad Ali cards are out there. Uh, I saw this 1.5 that looked really good. We were in extended bidding. And I ultimately, I won the card for $17.70. And it's Muhammad Ali's rookie card. He won the gold medal um, as an 18-year-old at the eight, uh, 1960 Olympics. So Hemet's journal is a Swedish journal. And for those Olympics, uh, they published this magazine that had like panels of uh, various athletes. So this Cassius Clay card, he was one of four athletes on the page, but you cut it out and it's considered his first card. I put that in quotes because it really is like a, a cutout from a magazine, but it's pretty iconic. Um, I'm really excited to have it. And it's a card I plan to hold on to for quite a while. That is a great story and an absolute legend. You know, I always think when you can get a card of somebody who's not only known in the card world, but they're in the lexicon of everyday life, a household name of somebody who wouldn't even care about sports at all. But, you know, you get into military involvement, you know, refusing to go to the Vietnam War and having his title taken away and then winning it back and winning it back. And then, like you said, the civil rights movement. And uh, so let me ask you this, because we're talking about the mentality behind pulling the trigger on cash deals, which is kind of funny because this is cash is clay. Mm, but, nice. but so when you showed me this purchase about a week and a few days ago, and I was like, wow, that's an awesome historic card. And I was asking you how much you paid for it. That was a lot more than I thought you would have dropped cash wise on something that you didn't really have your eye on. Like if it was something where it was Pulisic, Mbappe, Erling Holland, uh, a Knicks player, you know, I would have maybe thought, okay, I could see maybe a four figure purchase. So what was the mentality to, to make you spend almost two grand on a card that you weren't even thinking about? That is a great question. And I was definitely in a buying mode because just the day before I went to a show and I brought a thousand dollars cash with me to the show. I said, this is the amount of money that I feel comfortable spending. And I was very motivated to walk the show, buy some things. And except for a couple of cards, I, I struck out. There were just no good buys. A lot of dealer prices were pretty high and there was just nothing that really checked all the boxes for me. 
nothing that completed my Mount Rushmore of what I look for in a card, if you will. Mm. Mm. So I ended up spending 150 at the show, which means I had 850 left, just burning a hole in my pocket. Yes, I could tell. <laughs> but um, I did look at comps, of course. So I saw this was a PSA 1.5, which I'm totally cool with low vintage grades if the centering looks decent enough and you could see the whole card. So the most recent PSA 1 sales were 1920, 2000, 2025, 2800, 2100, 3100. The most recent PSA 2 sales. I love the math, by the way. Just numbers. This is what I did. Oh, yeah. The PSA 2 sales, the most recent, 3,200, 2,500, 2,500, 2,900, 2,300. So when I was able to win it for 1770 after the buyer's premium, that felt like a good value in a card that I think will continue to go up in value over time. So you were story told out of there less than 1,800 after the buyer's fees. Correct. Because it's in my vault, which is actually a very cool feature. It would have been another like $200 to have it shipped to me immediately. So it's in my vault. I don't have it in hand, but eventually I'm going to need to hold that. And so you'll have to, I'm not too familiar with PWCC. I know you're getting more into it, you know, with these, especially after the Pele and now the Muhammad Ali vintage purchases. When you, when you take that out of your vault and get it in person, that's a fee. That is a, so if you, if you win a card from PWCC, you can get it shipped to you immediately. And I'd be paying New York state tax, which is oh, like okay. 80% or so plus shipping. So by keeping it in your vault, you don't pay shipping or tax. So okay. right now it's almost like it was the first time that I recently thought to myself, like, I kind of understand the NFT portion of this. Yeah. Where like I, I, I could see the, the asset online. And it represents a physical asset, but right now it's just sitting in my vault. But because it's in a state that um, uh, a state that doesn't have that same tax, it doesn't cost anything to have it in the vault. And when I do want it shipped out, all I do is got to pay shipping, and it is a three percent fee, as opposed to eight percent. But if I keep it in there for three months, you only pay a one percent fee. So how long do you? So right now, you could get it with the three percent fee. Correct, which is a, a cool oh. feature to me. That's not too bad. Interesting. Okay. So this is always my measure of how good a deal went. How do you feel now, like a week later? Amazing. Amazing. And I think it's because it's a card I plan to hold. I always talk about, I want to pick up cards that I want to hold. Try to picture what this card will be worth five, 10, 20 years from now. And I feel so secure in it. I love collecting athletes and players that I like, but I always talk about I do value the investment part of this. And this vintage card from 1960 feels as safe as it gets. 300 in the roughly 300 in the total pop count for the wow. iconic Cassius Clay card. So pretty cool. Wow. I can't believe what that card must have gone through to go from a a magazine. You say it was in Switzerland? Sweden. Sweden. Yeah. Didn't mean any disrespect to Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, he's probably the best athlete from Sweden ever. But uh, if, he's, if he's listening, huh? If he's listening, yes. Oh, Zlatan. Oh, you know he's tuned in. You know he's tuned in. <laughs> that that's a card of somebody. See, and this is kind of a different topic. But even though I don't really care too much about soccer, because he's such a 
personality, like taking out that full page ad in the LA times when he came to Los Angeles to the galaxy. And I think, what did he say? Like, you're welcome or I've arrived or something like that. Yes. uh, Um, I can't picture it, but just a few few words, but a powerful statement nonetheless. And he came over and dominated the MLS. Yeah. And so uh, I'm going to now jump over to, a little bit of my mentality on a card that I pulled the trigger on using the cash deal, uh, which unfortunately I haven't gotten yet. I am kind of, it's kind of a Jada Pinkett Smith situation where I'm a little bit in an entanglement, I would say. Wow. Good one. Because uh, thankfully not to the national level of what's going on there, but because I haven't gotten the card, the guy said he shipped it two Saturdays ago ghosted me apparently didn't listen to our episode two episodes ago of the disrespect of leaving somebody on red and thankfully i paid venmo goods and services which was another tip that we gave in one of our recent episodes so i listened to what we had preached practiced it so i'm not that nervous about getting my money back but it just it just kind of sours you you know when you pay especially you pay that much cash for a card and then you're sitting here waiting for it and the person's not communicating or they say they have tracking. I'll get you the photo of tracking. Don't send the tracking. Then you have to follow up. So I'm not going to put any of that negative energy into uh, or any more than I've already put out there about uh, the card and just cross my fingers that it's coming. If not, I'll get my money back through Venmo, which I've done before. But anyway, when I originally went in to pull the trigger on this cash deal, the card is awesome. It's a Spectra Larry Bird on-card auto with a game-used patch, part of the lettering, and it's a one-of-one. One. So it's just – it's just, and it's not a white box or a black box. It's a true one-of-one. One. Like I said, on-card auto, game-used patch. It was in a BGS 8 grade, and the guy who I got it from – who, as you can imagine, I won't be doing business with again because of the rigmarole in this process, but decided to crack it out. <laughs> yeah, decided to crack it out. He did, and disclose, so he did disclose that it was in a BGS 8, or you just knew that from his yeah. pictures? Well, no, we have been talking about this card for a, at least two or three months now. Oh, wow. So I was trying to work him and get like partial trade in there to get the cost basis down. But eventually he told me that he wants to get out of cards. And so he's looking more for full cash. And I said, okay, well, the last comp was like, it was more than a year ago. It was in 2021. Um, And so it was at 1250. And I said, I'll pay you full last comp, even though it was a long time ago. It's hard to measure what that's really worth. But I said, it's a true one of one. It's my favorite player. It's exactly the type of card that I love on top of being my favorite player with an on-card auto game used patch. And I said, it's it. This is something that's worth pulling the trigger on for a full cash deal because it matches all these things that I really like on my Mount Rushmore of things I look for in a card. So it didn't take that long to add a couple small cards uh, that were like a $200 value and the full comp price. So I'm really into it for, I think, like $1,350, 1400 
but I felt great after making the deal. Hopefully, I get the card. He got your cards. He got my cards, yes. At what point do you make a Venmo claim then? That's what I told him. I wrote back and I said, I told him how disappointed I was with the process. First of all, I've been trying to follow up and say, hey, listen, you know, I'm going to have to make a Venmo claim if I don't get any communication from you. You know, it was, it was, we were supposed to send out two Thursdays ago. I sent my cards out, sent a photo of the tracking, which I always do, put it in the chat. So both people have it. And then I didn't hear from him for two more days after that. So I said, hey, just checking in, you know, making sure you sent it. He's like, yeah, I sent it. I have tracking. I'll get it to you tomorrow. 100%. I'll have it. Another day, I have to follow up. Hey, checking on that tracking. Just making sure you have it and everything's okay. Nothing back for another two days. So I wrote back and I just said, you know, I was just honest and talking about my feelings. I'm like, hey, listen, I'm really disappointed in how this whole thing has been handled. I recapped what happened. You know, we were supposed to send out on this day. Didn't hear from you. You said you'd get me tracking. Didn't hear from you. Now I'm following up again. Haven't gotten the card a week and a half later. And I'm going to have to open a Venmo claim if that doesn't happen. And so it's just it's kind of a. An unfortunate thing. I hope I get the card. I'm protected with the goods and services, but I'd rather have the card. You know, I mean, that's why I pulled the trigger on it. Well, I hope it works out for you. But you, you know, you follow what we said. If if you're not someone you know, it's a first time purchase, goods and services. Yep. But I do want to shout out a listener, Steve, who bought a messy card from me because part of picking up my cashers clay card was. I'm like, all right, I spent more than I wanted to. I'm going to have to go liquidate a little bit. So I sold a couple cards at a loss, which I was fine with because it meant getting a greater card. And it was, he said to me, he was a listener. It was the first time he had bought a card on Instagram and he had just listened to our episode like a day or two before. So I was his first Instagram sale. I'm like, all right, I got me in. We talked about such high standards of my guy, Dominic. I need to, I need to live up to those standards now. So I helped Steve. Steve helped me uh, get some of my funds back for that cashless clay, and I helped him with his first uh, his first Instagram buy. So there you go. Go, Steve. That's great awesome. Connection. Yeah, That's great. And I also wanted to shout out all the people who messaged in on Instagram. I think it was mainly on Instagram, but supporting us for our conversation with Sam Evans last week, the sports card collector, about the inclusion aspect of the hobby. Because I know, Craig, I know – for sure, you got a couple messages, and I know people like Kevin Cormier and uh, even some comments. One guy commented on my Instagram with a teaser of the episode with Sam, episode 15, talking about, uh, like, I've really wanted to start some of these conversations, but I think me and a lot of other people in this space are just afraid of going into that realm of talking about inclusion and not wanting to offend anybody or make them feel like they're disc you know not included and i was like wow you know the fear of that uncomfortability is it's natural you know and i even felt some of the topics while that we were discussing with sam i felt that too but i thought our discussion to bring those topics forward was much more important than the possible uncomfortability around topics like race, religion, or just including 
people of all walks of life into it. So thanks to everybody who uh, listened, took the time and, and hopefully it resonated with them. It seems like it did. Yep. I mean, we, we, we always say we want to keep it about the cards. And of course we talk about the cards, but I would say with this podcast has a greater purpose. We're trying to, you know, get to know a lot of different people from different backgrounds of different races in this hobby to give everyone just a broader perspective of not just what's out there within this realm of cards, but the world um, as a whole. So um, hopefully just the beginning of a, a lot more guests that we have lined up. Yeah, definitely. I'll tell you what, you're great with cliffhangers. You should uh, do a Netflix series of just, you know, leaving people at the end and then, you know, what's coming next week. Yeah. But I guess we'll save it until we have it all lined up, but uh, a cool idea we have for, for guests coming up and it definitely goes with our theme of Crosstown cardboard. Yes, it's one town in particular right now, but it, I guess it is, it's across their town. It'll be interesting. I want to bring up, before we leave, Craig, another deal that I pulled the trigger on for full cash recently that Sam Evans, our last guest, actually commented on my photo of, mm. which is this beautiful Magic Johnson flawless game-used patch auto, on-card auto, numbered out of 25, two-color patch. It's definitely part of the lettering. And um, I got it from our guy at Dave Dave underscore cards. Our mate, I could say. He's Australian. Our mate. And uh, easy decision to pull the trigger full cash because one of the great things about this hobby is when you build up those connections. And I'm sure, Craig, you know this too. If one of your buddies is trying to offload a card to raise funds for either a bigger purchase or a different purchase, and they come to you and they're like, hey, I got a decent deal for you. What do you think? And now it's just a layup for something that he knows I'm interested in because I've sold a magic, uh, exquisite auto game used jersey patch to Dave before. And we've done different deals for magic cards and we talk about them just on Instagram. And so he said, hey, I have this. I'm trying to fund a purchase just being fully honest, I'll take a good offer on this. How about 800? And I said, how about 700? And he said 750. And it was just boom, you know, instant purchase for something that helps him get quick cash for a purchase, helps me get a card that I really like and could potentially trade into something else if the right offer comes. But for now, it's something that I love keeping. So that was a pretty easy decision there. Pull the trigger on that full cash. Such a good feeling when you meet in the middle and you shake hands on it. Yes. It's like the ultimate uh, ultimate handshake, ultimate compromise. You like this? I like that. Boom. Happy medium. Yeah. And like you said, I really enjoyed what you said about not, uh, not doing it unless you feel comfortable. Like if you feel it, especially with cash deals, with trade, you have a little more buffer because you might be into those cards for a little bit less. You trade half. Then you pay half cash and you got, you know, maybe you're at 80% comps after that or something like that. You feel like you have a little room. The market goes down. If you pay that full cash and you feel that doubt that you mentioned, not pulling the trigger on your Pulisic, um, your, what brand was it? It was, it was an Eminence autograph and I am so happy Eminence. I didn't get that. Yes, your Eminence. And uh, that was an on-card auto, beautiful card. But you mentioned the doubt creeping in. So can you, can you elaborate a little bit more on why there was no doubt with the the cassius clay because it's it's muhammad ali 
it's his like it's his rookie card it's if you look up uh you know some videos and like the most iconic cards of all time it's right up there with with some of the greats and i was pretty blown away by the low pop count of 300 again it's just you know cards aren't really financial assets they're like stores of value is Mm -hmm. the way i've heard people describe it and the Cassius Clay rookie card feels like as safe of a store value as possible. And I always say I want to be able to tell a story with my collection. When I'm sharing my collection of cards with my kids in the future, I think it'll be really important and valuable to be able to teach them about Muhammad Ali and his contribution to society while also having this card and financial asset to, to look at, um, tie them together. So yeah, very happy with that purchase. Um, Happy to be a part of my collection, which I could hopefully just display one day in my future card room. That would be something to see for sure. And so let me ask you this before. This is a little bit shorter episode, just kind of going through some of our deals. And let me ask you this, Craig, before we leave with the Pele purchase and the Cassius Clay Muhammad Ali purchase, are you now a vintage guy? I also picked up a, a cheap Jackie Robinson slab at the show. Wow. So oh, yes. Um I'm working my way there. I'm working on it. I de- definitely want a little more vintage. It's got to I got to learn more first. I always say don't don't dive in until you really have done your homework. Granted, I did buy that Cassius Clay card like 20 minutes after realizing that it was there. So maybe I got a little ahead of myself there without <laughs> doing the research, but having done the research after the fact, very happy with uh with what I learned. But yeah, maybe a little vintage just to diversify. It's always what can I pick up that's that I want to hold. So if I'm going to get some vintage Pele just to have just that inventory, that's one thing. I'd love like a 1958 rookie to really add to my collection. But I'll work my way there. So you're getting this little turn toward vintage in the new year. Yes, but I'll always got my eye on Giannis, on soccer, on U.S. guys. So I don't know, it's just whatever, whatever I see out there that I like. I'll make a play. I got trade night tomorrow night at Bleecker. So keeping an open mind. And what was the vibe at the show? Just a quick recap a couple weekends ago. I mean, it was a great show. It was packed. There were a lot of dealers. A lot of dealers were very high on prices. I would say Mm -hmm. I I, I got that sense from others as well, but there seemed to be a lot of action in the room, but you know, it was still fun for me. It was still fun just to be at a show, just to walk around Shake some hands, kiss some babies, and see some friends. You know, so. Sign some crosstown cardboard autographs. Exactly. But anytime right. you go to anytime you go to a show, it's it's fun just to see new stuff. And yeah, I didn't buy much, but ultimately ended up being a good thing because I saved my money for this better purchase of mine, which could potentially stay with you for a long, long time. Facts. All right, big dog. Well, I got Burbank, the Burbank card show which I'm setting up at for four days. I guess it's really three days, one day of dealer night. In three weeks, you got trade night. So we got a bunch of action coming and uh, more guests in the works. So be on the lookout for our our city series. Ooh, well, you know, people will have to, it's like the New York Times crossword. You have to know what we did last episode to get a little bit of a hint of what city we might be featuring. Boom. Episode 16, and we'll be back for episode 17 next week. Peace.